This says real estate rookie show number 39er. Always look at things long-term. So especially a buy and hold strategy, you're not looking to sell this in a year, two years, three years. We're looking 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. We wanna have cash flow. Ashley Care and did you guys hear that? Did you? What are you comfortable walkie-talkie? Did I get a niner in there? I, I have no idea what's happening right there. <laughs> Wait, I have to introduce you first, Tony, and then I'm here with my co-host Tony Robinson, who has no idea the Tommy Boy quote. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. So tonight he is going to watch Tommy Boy and get to know all okay. of the the Tommy Boy quote. All right, consider it done. <laughs> This yeah. is this is my commitment to you as, as partners. I, I gotta okay. go. Tommy boy. All right. Done. Yeah. Just repeat it 10 times until you can quote the whole movie with <laughs> <Okay>. me. <laughs> so what's going on? What's new with you? I, I think I saw on Instagram, you might be selling some property. Yeah. So we're, me and my partners, we're actually liquidating almost all of our uh, long-term rentals in Louisiana. Um, we're, we're pivoting to the short-term rental game. So we've listed three of our properties. Uh, two of them have already sold. Um, wow. And then actually, yeah, we, we just found out that on the fourth property, the tenant, they had a two-year lease, um, but they're they're leaving early. So they're terminating the lease early. Um, so they're going to be leaving oh. at the end of November. So now we're listing that one as well. So we're, we're going to take all the profits from from those long-term rentals and just dump in, into some more short-term rentals. And we don't really know where yet. It might be Tennessee. It might be California, but we're excited either way. Yeah. Well, yeah, what about you, really Ashley? Awesome. What's happening on in, in upstate or Buffalo or West New York? Sorry, I always forget where <laughs> yeah. you're at. I'm just so, three of those yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> so just so you know, like people in California, like so geographically challenged. Like I know California, I know Nevada only because Vegas is so close to us. I know Florida down yeah. here. Everything in the middle is kind of like a blur. And I know yeah, New York yeah. City, but like if you go like anywhere over here in New York, I'm 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 lost. So and, and yeah. that's everybody in California. <laughs> Well, when I went to Europe once, like with my friend's family and stuff, and people would ask where we were from, he's like, don't say New York, say Niagara Falls, because they'll just automatically think you're from New York City. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And go. that was like the first time I learned, like, when you say New York, people just automatically think New York City. City most of the time. Yeah. But today is actually really exciting for me today. It is the grand opening of my liquor store today. Congratulations. So we opened... Thank you. We opened like three weeks ago, just doing like a soft opening, no advertising, stuff like that. So today is our our grand opening. Yeah. So we're going to do, we have a winery coming in to do a wine tasting. And... I was going to say, are you like cheersing some some strong liquor tonight or what's what's happening? How are you guys celebrating? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I know we're doing a ribbon cutting. <laughs> the Chamber okay. of Commerce is coming. Yeah. The mayor. So okay. to be That's exciting. Exciting. Yeah. But today we have a really exciting show we too. Do. Tony is going to take over introducing this host because <laughs> I <laughs> I can't even enunciate realtor correctly. Everyone there always says go. I says realtor. So go ahead, Tony. Yeah, so can today we have Thomas. <laughs> we have Tom Cituridis on the podcast, and and Tom is Greek, so that's why the the, the last name is is what it is. But Tom, Tom was great. Um, I loved his energy. I think he had a really cool perspective about getting started in investing during the time when a lot of people were shying away, right during COVID. Um, and he not he didn't buy one, not two, but three properties during this year. And he talks a lot about how he made that that transition happen. Yeah, there were so many great topics and just things he does that he covers. So he talks about partnerships, 
automating his businesses. He owns a construction company that's just automating. He's like, yeah, that's taken care of. So I have all this free time to manage rental properties. And now he's automating that and just listening to the goals that him and his partner have. And his partner is actually going to move back to Greece and they have it all set up to make that happen. And how Thomas is going to just run his property management company. So really great stuff. So let's uh, bring Thomas on. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being on the Rookie Podcast today. Can you start off and tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in real estate? Perfect. Thank you for having me today. So my name is Thomas. I'm from uh, Queens, New York. I was actually born in Greece, came here when I was about three years old and quickly got into real estate and construction just through my parents. My parents became a, a super of a 62 unit building when I was about six. So I've always helped manage, take out the garbage. I've taken out more garbage than I can count, shovel all snow and stuff like that. And then my, my father also had a plumbing business. So at 13, I started working for him on the weekends and summers when I wasn't in school. And then I quickly learned the business and, and I was just fond of working with my hands. And then eventually high school came around and uh, it was make a decision. Wait, what are you going to do? <laughs> I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to, to pick up the plumbing business and I, I liked to draw. So I went into architecture. I got a degree in architecture. After college, I, uh, I worked for a construction manager and I, I helped the guy build his business. I was there for five and a half, six years, helped him grow to about $8 million dollars. And then I got laid off. <laughs> so I, I uh, quickly was like, okay, construction management. I, I like doing this. I'm going to continue to do this. I went to work for someone else for six or seven months. And I was like, nope, I'm doing it for myself. <laughs> so I, I opened up my own business. And now three and a half years later, we have our construction business and we're just 
realizing that we need some sort of passive income, something that comes a little bit easier. So earlier this year, we, we bought our first property, just kind of going into it head first, not really knowing that much, doing a little research on bigger pockets and other areas just to, to see what we need to do. And right now we own three two-family homes in upstate New York. Awesome. So when you say we, is that you and your spouse, your partner? Who, who is yeah, that? Yeah. So my, my business partner in Tomac Group, that's our construction company. We own uh, the construction company, we own a millwork company, and then we own the three properties together. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. And how, how did that partnership form? Because you said, you know, you'd worked for other people and then you wanted to start your own business. And right. we all love hearing about partnerships and how to make them work <laughs> and how to structure them. So would you dive into that a little bit for us? Yeah. So when I was working for um, the first construction manager, my partner was actually my tile installer. So I gave him his first job in America when he came here. It was his biggest job. It was like a $30,000 job. <laughs> and we grew uh, a relationship together. And he was always pushing me, like, why don't we start something ourselves? So eventually over the years, we stayed close. And uh, that's how we kind of built and started with the construction. And when we started our construction company, we were getting small odd and end jobs, mainly tile, because that's what he knew how to do hands-on. And I knew plumbing, but it wasn't something we could really start from scratch. And he already had some connections on that. So we started, he was installing the tile. I was cutting the tile. We were doing the work ourselves. And we, we got our first construction project where we were doing the demo work. I was like, wait, this is too much. I need, I need to fall back and focus on growing and scaling the company and doing the paperwork and stuff like that. He can focus on the hands-on stuff. That's right. You want to work on the business and not in yeah. the business. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's what I feel a lot of people when they start a, a new business. They, they get into it and they just kind of go head first at it. And, and they need to take that step back and realize that like, okay... I need to grow my business and focus on growing the business, not working in the business, because then I'm again becoming an employee. Yeah. Now, now, Thomas, a lot of people might say that you've got a big advantage, right? Because you grew up in the trades. You're, you yeah. said your mom was a super. Like you, you had a lot of uh, a lot of the background that people don't have. Right. But then you also said that you you went through a lot of education for yourself, right? Yeah. So people might be might be saying like, what are you educating yourself on? Like you already knew everything. So what what did that process look like for you? I don't think. I, Every day I try and learn something new. I think that, yes, I did have an advantage because I had so many different trades. I had the plumbing, I had the management of the properties, I had the architecture background, I had the construction, and everything was learned along the way. But also it was the relationships that were built along the way. It was one, one thing led to another. So when I was in high school, I was working for a restaurant and I was there for six years and I met a mechanical engineer, that mechanical engineer working for him. Uh, I was introduced to the construction manager, the construction manager. One thing led to the other. And that's how I ended up in the construction world because of the relationships that were built along the way. So a lot of people do have to educate themselves, but they still need to kind of go at it head first sometimes because I don't know everything. Real estate was something that I got into yeah, I had the, the property management side of things, but I didn't know the financing side. I didn't know how to find properties. I didn't know where to find properties. I didn't know anything about real estate other than painting the walls, which was the construction side of things. So people know someone may be in the finance world and they may know that, but they don't know the construction. So you have to learn everything along the way. You have to be open to growing along the way and, and just kind of gathering a good team and, and, and good fundamentals around building uh, pretty much everything you need to own a piece of property. 
Well, even if you have the tools, there are so many people that have them and don't take right. action. <laughs> right. That would exactly. hangs me up when people say, oh, well, he, you know, he had this background or he got this growing up. Well, so many people have those and don't take those as op- turn them into opportunities to build a real estate portfolio or to actually take action on those things. So that's awesome that you did. And you use the skills and the tools you had to, to start build your portfolio. Do you want to yeah. tell us about your first deal? and kind of get into that my first deal again our our three properties are in upstate new york dutchess county we kind of i googled dutchess county or upstate new york real estate broker first guy that pops up i gave him a call (laughs) and he we set up a meeting he showed us six properties the first the first time around and we made an offer on two of them and first property they got that we got was the uh one of the six that we saw that day and it was asking price was 205. We offered 180, I believe. And then we actually got it closed at 190. So that's a two family, three bedroom, one bathroom over three bedroom, one bathroom in upstate New York. Yeah. Now, so you mentioned earlier that you didn't have like the, the analysis side of real estate right. investing down. So when you're, when you're talking with this broker, when you're looking at these properties, when you landed at, you know, what was it? 190. How did you know that that was a good price to pay? Like, how did you know that this checked all the boxes? I mean, the, again, I think it goes back to building relationships. It's the broker for us has been the most important person in our real estate journey so far, because he has been the person that I lean on to ask him, oh, how much do you think this can rent for? How much is it renting now? Can we increase it? What's a property this size selling for? So again, I like to use realtor.com. That's just a, a basic tool I use. You go online, you click on say uh, sold prices of properties three bedroom, one bathroom, and you see that they sold for 250, 220, whatever the case is. And you have the information from the broker and you have to kind of gather information from your team and do your own research and then make a, make a decision at the end of the day. So you have to lean on people, but you also have to have your own opinion on, on, on what to do. Yeah. And, and I would encourage everyone that's listening, right? Like there's so many tools out there to run analysis, like bigger pockets has like, I love the bigger pockets calculator, um, right? They've now got the BP insights. There's, there's a lot of different ways to kind of pull in information and start running them through the calculator. And then, like you said, uh, Thomas, if you have a network of folks that you can lean on, you can say, Hey, here, here's what I thought about this property. What do you think about it? And kind of use other folks to, to sanity check. And especially if you're giving them all the information too, you're not like, Hey, I'm looking at this property. Does this make sense? Where if you're running it through the calculator, you're giving them maybe the listing, you're giving them the report, you're doing all the work, just having that second set of eyes to look over it, you know, might take an experienced investor five minutes to do, but it's so worth asking for it. You know, I wouldn't ask them to do all the actual work for you, but handing them everything all set. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and along the way, it's you start on a piece of paper because you don't really know what you're doing. It's like, okay, what are my taxes? Oh, wait, I have to pay taxes up front or I can not roll them into escrow. Like you're learning these things. And, and when I say uh, you have to go into things sometimes head first is because after you complete that first deal, you understand taxes, insurances, the finances, you understand how to find properties. Just that one deal, you gain so much knowledge than reading a book or looking online. If you don't actually take action, like you said before, you're never going to buy the second property, the third property, the 10th property. Yeah, you're right on that. Yeah. Was this, I'm, I'm assuming with your background that you you went after something that needed a little bit of work. Like, was this a, a fixer upper? Was it a burr? Was it a turnkey? Like, tell us about the property. 
So our goal is buy and hold. So we're looking for bird properties, but we're not looking for something that it's it's in really, really bad condition just because the properties are an hour and 40 minutes away from where we live and where we operate our, our construction business. So we are buying properties that do need some work, but we're focusing on properties that the rents are much lower than the fair share market is. So our first property, the, the, the rents for the, the three bedrooms were $1,200 each. And $1,200, we saw an opportunity that that market was able to get for a three-bedroom $1,500, and it needed some very minor repairs. So we are focusing on buying properties, not really concerned on the purchase price, but more on what the value is in, in the increase in the rents. So we're seeing that the three properties we have, after we fix the properties, after we get some new tenants in there, we can raise the rents to fair market, which is 30% plus. So what's the, for this first property you did, what were the rents when you purchased it? And then what are the rents now? So they're uh, $1,200 a piece. And we purchased this in, in January. And then obviously COVID happened. So we didn't want to remove the tenants because we're all human. I'm not looking to, to put someone out of their house right away uh, during COVID. So we, we, they're $1,200. We can increase these after we fix them up to $1,500 each. So that's huge because our numbers are just, uh, it should be around 16% uh, return on our investment for this property and along with all three of our portfolio pieces. When you purchase this and you're ready to raise the rents, and I know COVID kind of threw this for you, but what (laughs) process do you take to do that? Because a lot of people are, you know, they don't want to raise the rent, especially by that much to these people. Do you, you know, give them the option of moving out or raising the rent? Do you send them a letter? Do you talk to them in person? How do you go about approaching that? We try and take it on a human level. Like we we understand that COVID is going on. We understand that we're not looking to put people out on the street. We tell them that we are we bought this property. We're looking to to raise the rents. We give them the the required 30 days, 60 days, 90 days notice, like, hey, you can stay, but you have to pay the increased rents. And we're not going to do it without fixing your apartment because Obviously, when we're trying to bring it up to fair market value in terms of the rental, but we're also bringing up the conditions of the space to be to, to, to fair market value. And just so everyone knows, in New York State, when he mentions the 30, 60 or 90 days, he's not saying that that it depends on the tenant, you know, if he's yeah. going to give them 30, 60 <laughs> or 90. It actually depends on how long they've lived in the property, how much notice you have to give them. So the longer right. they've lived there, you might have to give them 90 days notice on the rent increase. Right. And, and some we actually got lucky on our second property that we bought, which right now is our best property because we bought it vacant. So that was a, a four bedroom, two bath over two bedroom, one bath. And that was vacant. We actually sent our crew up there, our construction crew for a month. They lived up there oh, and wow. it cost us $15,000 to renovate the entire property. Wow. <laughs> well, so I, I want to dig into that a little bit more, right? Let, let's talk yeah. about the rehab on that first property. Now, I'm assuming yeah. because of your background, like you managed everything, yeah. you managed all the subs, or did you have a general contractor? Did, no, we. It, I, I managed my partner. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I think something Thomas said a lot of new investors struggle with is how to decide how much rehab to do. Right. Because like you said, you saw that the rents were were undervalued. They were at 12. You know, you could push them up to 15. But what happens if you over rehab and, you know, you spend more than than the value that you that you get back? So how did you manage that? How did you you decide how much rehab to do? So I think the best thing to do is to look at other rental properties that are renting for that fifteen hundred dollar mark. So if these are renting at twelve hundred dollars now, you look at the fifteen hundred dollar properties 
and you see that they're not putting in a Viking stove, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to go into to something that's close to, to what is renting now in the fair market value. And you see that I need to minimize this as much as possible to give me the biggest return. And I think a lot of people face the issue where, yes, I do have the benefit of having a construction company and I can send my guys up there. And a lot of people try and do things themselves instead of sending it out to a contractor or a handyman or whatever the case is. The, what's more important than money is the time, right? So the only reason it worked for me is because I do have the crew, because I, I am in construction, I'm sending, I'm spending my time and putting my guys on there where someone else who doesn't have that ability to, to send their guys or, or have their own construction company, I would definitely suggest they give it to a, a liable contractor because your, your time should be focused on growing your portfolio, on, on growing your business as opposed to working in your business again. I love that. So when you talk about growing your business, right? Like you you mentioned this earlier that you you, you stopped cutting the tile because you know that that wasn't the best use of your time. (laughs) Right. How do you and your partner determine who's going to focus more so on on like which piece? Because I feel like that's something that that a lot of people get get stuck on is how to divide those responsibilities. So I'm, I've always been good on uh, the paperwork side of things, the the sales side, the the client facing uh, side of, of our business. So in terms of our construction company, I am the person that is in front. I'm the person that does the estimating. I do the sales. Uh, in terms of our real estate business, I am also the person that finds the property, figures out the financing, the taxes, the insurances, everything to get it basically ready to purchase. Once it's purchased and ready to be renovated, I hand it off to my partner and tell him, okay, here are the paint colors. Here's this, here's it. go do it. <laughs> so you have to have a, a balance. Like if you're working with a partner, one person needs to complement each other because if one person does the same thing the other person does, you're going to slow yourself down. You're, you're going to cross each other on, on one thing that the other person can handle. So you need to figure out what works for each person. And each person focuses on their task so they can kind of move forward with the project. Do you guys have any kind of alignment meeting, quarterly meeting? What do you guys do to kind of... <laughs> stay together? Or is it just like a, a group text you have going no, I on? Mean, without even speaking with my partner, we are yeah. pretty much on the same page. Yeah. But he knows that his, his main goal is to push the project, whether it's our construction business, whether it's our real estate business, the faster the fi- that we finish, the faster we make more money on our projects, the faster we get a tenant in there, mm-hmm. the faster we make rentals. So his goal is strictly to, to push the projects. And if, if I see that he's slowing down a little bit. I got to give him a little nudge. (laughs) That's where I have to come in. (laughs) But we, we complement each other in that sense where that's what you kind of have to separate, divide and conquer in it in a sense. Got it. Now I want to talk a little bit about the the rehab portion, right? How did you finance that part of the deal? Was this part of your loan? Was this just savings that you have? Walk us through that piece. Yeah. So we are in the construction business in New York city. So we took our profits that we've collected over the last three, three and a half years, and we've decided to put some of it into our properties. So every single property that we own, which is the three, we've put 25% down, 25% down to start. And we do a um, usually a, a adjustable and arm loan. So our first one was a 10-1 arm. Our second one was a 6-1 arm. Our third one was a 5-1 arm. Can you explain what an arm is for everyone? Yeah, it's an adjustable rate mortgage, right? So you get it at uh, a 10-year arm. Let's say it gets adjusted at 10 years. So you can um, pay, we're paying 3%, I think, on our first one. So 3% up to 10 years after that, it can go up. It probably will never go down. Um, But in our sense, we're seeing that we're looking for bird properties. So we are going to refinance. So we don't care that it's a 10-1 arm, 5-1 arm. We're looking for 
increase cash flow, so the lowest mortgage payment on a monthly basis, so that when we do go into the refinance process of the BRRRR, we are looking to increase. If the mortgage gets increased, we don't. That's not what we're concerned about. We're concerned about a lower cash flow to get us to to where we need to be to refinance the property. And with the with the arm, so it's you start out with your fixed, and then it yeah. switches to variable interest rate. What is your timeline to refinance these properties? So you said you have you yeah. know a ten year arm on one. When do you actually want to go and refinance them? So our second property is actually in the refinance stage now. We should be closing maybe in a week or two. We bought it in April. Okay. So we bought it in April. We fixed it in a month, month and a half. And now we're, we've already rented it out. It's profitable. It's making money. There's tenants in there. And we're refinancing now. So usually around six months is what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. On our first property was bought in January because of COVID and because that one was already occupied, we weren't able to meet that six month mark, but we're now starting to give the tenants a little nudge, like, hey, we want to fix the property. <laughs> you gotta what either do- stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does the this refinance look on property number two? So what are the um, terms? All of our properties are commercial. So they, okay. they all have their own LLCs. We're not buying anything under our personal names, but we are backing them personally. So our first one, our second property that we're refinancing was a 6-1 arm, 15-year with a 30-year amortization at 3%. So that we're refinancing now at four and a quarter, I think, but that's mm-hmm. because it's a commercial loan. So right. the commercial loans tend to be a little bit higher on the interest rate. And what we're losing, I believe, is around $200, $150 on our net operating income on this property. But when you look at it, the amount of money that you're losing in cash flow on this property, it would take us nine and a half years to get that back from the property. So we're getting around $40,000 back on this refinance. And it would take us nine and a half years to get that $40,000 if we didn't refinance. Mm-hmm. But so but even with the refinance, what made you decide to to go with the commercial loan as opposed to the residential? Is it because the size of the property or, or just you guys felt more comfortable that way? Or It was just a, a liability thing. We have, we structure our businesses in, in a sense, they're all owned by a holding company. So we have different ways of, of structuring each and every entity so that it, it's its own LLC. Everything is separate. We're not really concerned about the the higher interest rate, although yeah, we could probably get a point, point and a half shaved off if we did it under our personal names. We just wanted to keep everything separate, everything its own business, everything completely separate because we do have other businesses. I have my own businesses on the side out of the construction as well. So we want to just keep everything separate. I have found one bank that will actually do an LLC on the residential side, but the interest rate. So this was, I think, three years ago where maybe like a normal interest rate was around 4%, 5%. This one was at 7.375%. Like it was, we we did it because it was a a 25 year amortization. But um, now the commercial side, you can find commercial loans that are amortized 20, 25 years that it just doesn't it didn't make sense with us to use that bank anymore to try to get an LLC on the residential side. Uh, so what, what are the terms of the commercial loan? You said the interest rate, but is it, what's it amortized over? It's amortized over 25 years on the mm-hmm. refinance. And that one, I think we also did a five, one arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, we're just looking for the lower uh, mortgage right. and, and uh, principal interest payment so that we can have a positive cash flow on these properties. And we, we do see that, 
after we build a certain size portfolio, maybe four or six, we're going to start paying these down. So this yeah. is our first refinance. All of the cash flow that we're seeing on all of our properties, we're going to pay down on this one so that we can kind of get out of this rat race, right? So everyone's in this rat race <laughs> and, and we want to start paying these properties down and kind of start building again after we pay these off because it's, it's good up until a certain point. You don't want to over leverage yourself as well. I want to change gears just a little bit, Thomas, and talk about like the the tenant management side. So you had you'd been in in the construction space, but you'd never been a landlord before. Right. What was that process like inheriting those tenants? Ah, it was tough. The first week that we uh, we bought that first property, two days later, I get a call at eleven o'clock at night. The tenant's like, "It's leaking through the roof, the 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 bathroom." I was like, "Oh my god, I'm selling the property. I'm done. I'm getting out of real estate." And it was like a minor issue. The wax on the toilet was loose and like the tenant flushed the toilet and like water was coming down. But it's like tenants just overreact and you just kind of need to kind of take a step back and and realize, okay, I'm going to send a plumber there tomorrow. He's going to fix it. We'll fix the damages. It's not that big of a deal. So you you got to kind of control your emotions in real estate. <laughs> that took me a long time to adjust to because I yeah. would like feel the stress. I would get yeah. overwhelmed. Like those <laughs> like, oh my God. And it was like, okay, calm down. You know what to do. Like take care of it. Right. Don't let, you know, this affect you. Yeah. And we had someone on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago that said he, when he first got his first tenant calls, like his first property, he'd had it for like six months. And he was like, so overwhelmed, like, oh my God. And then he realized, wait, I've made thousands of dollars right. over the past several months. This five minute phone call, I can take care of it. You know, it's 20 minutes of my life for thousands of dollars. Like exactly. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you tell that to me years ago? <laughs> you got you got to look at the upside of things. Like we don't really self-manage because how it works now is, is my partner uh, has only been in the country for four years. Mm-hmm. So we've built this business together. We're starting this re- real estate portfolio together. His end goal is to build a set of portfolio that he can live back in Greece. So in four years, five years down the line, he plans on taking the properties, keeping them here, receiving that cash flow and living in Greece, a great life from these real estate properties that we're we're building together. So we had that understanding at at the very start. And how we went into it is that I would manage the properties. So in order to do that, I built another business. So now I, I own Blue Collar Realty, which is our property management company that manages these businesses. And then does the the properties pay a management fee to yeah, that business then? Yep. And then you right. get paid out of that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's but, such a great idea. And a lot of people ask about, you know, what if the job duties, like what if someone's doing more when you write up your partnership agreement, structure something like that, or put it into the agreement, like whoever does this task is getting paid this. And that way you can stay 50, 50 with the equity. But then if you're doing extra tasks or extra things, you are paid separate. Out yeah, of that. exactly. And I think it, it works really good for us because he, he understands that I'm, I, I know more of the real estate side just because of the property management for that 62 unit building that I've helped my parents manage from the very start. And he sees that he just wants to retire. He's 10 years older than me. He wants to retire in five years in Greece. And he doesn't want to worry about it because I'm going to be stateside. I'm going to manage this. And I'm just going to be sending him a check at the end of the month. And like how yeah. lucky for him that he could, he trusts you already yeah. that yeah, yeah, he yeah. has you. Yeah, we're, we're really good. We work really good together. So it works out well for both of us. And, and, and if the goal is to retire, at least for your partner in five yeah. years, like what's the roadmap to get there? Like how many properties do you need to acquire? What, what, what cash flow per door? 
Yeah. So right now, uh, our best property is is um, netting just under eleven hundred. So it's about five hundred dollars per door. So that's the goal we're seeing in in the area that we're focusing on. That we should be getting at five hundred dollars a door. And now with the prices just skyrocketing, some things just don't make sense. You're getting two hundred dollars a door, one hundred fifty dollars a door. And right now, on our worst property, we are making one hundred and fifty per door. But when we renovate, we will be up to that five hundred dollars. We're seeing we bought it, seeing the upside. So at, at five hundred dollars a door, we are looking to get twenty five, twenty six properties, and then we can kind of say we don't need to, to work in construction anymore. He can go retire. I can go stay in New York. We can go to Florida, California, wherever I want to, and we're we're fine because we'll, we'll have that positive cash flow. Or when you do the refinance, are you pulling all of your money back out of the deal? Because you put the 25% down. Are you taking that back when you refinance or are you leaving some money in? So on this second property, which we're refinancing, we're leaving $5,000. So we've invested uh, the down payment 25%. It's like $45,000. So $40,000. At the end of the day, closing costs, we're really getting like $35,000. But $35,000 is like seven years to build. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Now you, you bought your first property, you said in January of this year, right, right. Thomas? And yeah. you're, you're up to three properties now? Yeah. So our goal pre-COVID was 10 this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, that- but I think, yeah, but that, that's important to call out, right? Is that there were a lot of people this year, Thomas, who had the same goal of getting their right. first property. Um, but when COVID hit, a lot of people kind of pulled back. Right. What was it like, how did you kind of coach yourself through that to kind of not get scared off of, of continuing to grow your portfolio? We, I, I like to always look at things long-term, right? So especially a buy and hold strategy, you're not looking to sell this in a year, two years, three years. We're looking 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. We want to have cash flow. I will likely never sell these properties until something comes along. And then I, I want to be your pockets again and tell you I sold my properties. But we're, we're looking long-term down the line. And, and we're just seeing that the upside of, of the properties, we just have to keep going. Yes, COVID happened. And, and the reason we're not able to hit our 10 properties this year, Mark, is because our nine to five, right? So we, we, we focus on the construction. We, we lost a lot of projects because of COVID. The profits that we were expecting were down. So we've focused on growing the real estate as far as I can. Our properties were expected to be at 10 this year. We should be at four. So because of this refinance. So yeah, I have four more properties than I had last year. So at the end of the day, maybe I didn't hit my 10 year mark, but I hit a four property mark. So that's fine. Yeah. And the reason why I dig into that, Thomas, is because for me, I feel like real estate is such, it's such a mindset play, right? right? Like, like you can only read so many books. You can only go to so many conferences. You can only be in so many Facebook groups at some point you've got to actually take the action and close that first deal. And the thing that I always try and say is, is no one gets the first deal perfectly right. Right. And I've I've met zero investors that have such a great first deal that they're able to retire off of that one deal. Right. Like there's always more deals to come. And the purpose of that first deal is to teach you, is to educate you, is to give you that confidence. Because Thomas, I'm I'm almost like certain that Thomas today has so much more experience and confidence than Thomas in January of this year. But it wouldn't have happened had you not taken that first deal. Right. Just that first property alone. I I, and and why always try and encourage people that I, I know some other people that are looking to get into real estate. And what I tell them is just ask the stupid questions. Just ask it. Like the, the only stupid question is the one that you didn't ask. So ask about the financing, ask about the taxes, ask about insurances. You need to educate yourself on all of these things to understand what your actual cash flow is. And me personally, I, I, I grew up in the business side of things. So helping my father grow his plumbing business. And I was always working 
with businesses and, and taxes and insurances and stuff like that. So I always look at these properties as a business. I, I look at it as real estate, but it's a, it's a business, right? So you, you open a business to make money. If the property isn't cash flowing, it's not a good business. It's not sustainable. So you need to focus on it as a business. Don't tie emotions to the real estate because it's not a property you're living in. It's an investment property. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. And just building the your finances on the personal side too. Right. To make sure you have that strong foundation to build your business up. And it, now for your finances, are you doing everything for the property management, for your construction company, and now for the real estate? Do you outsource anything? And do you have any plans to do any outsourcing? As far as like the admin side, yeah, I guess. We, we have an admin. So our construction company is right now we have an admin, myself, my partner. I have two property man, project managers for our construction side of things that handle managing the construction side of things. The real estate side of things or the property management side of things, I manage myself because I have that free time because I have property manager, uh, project managers and office admins for my construction business. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that you should outsource as much as possible and wherever you feel comfortable in, in terms of your time management. And me personally, I've always been pretty big on managing my own personal finances. I have a, a spreadsheet like everyone and I track dollar for dollar what I make every single month, where I need to invest my profits. And I try and push as much as I can back into the real estate for the buy and hold strategy, because I, I think long-term, this is what will allow you to retire at 40 years old, which is what my plan is. So that I got eight years to go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to switch gears just a little bit, right? And talk uh, about the properties a bit more. So with, with how you're managing these properties yourself, right? And you said yeah. that's the long-term goal is for you to kind of scale this property management company. Are you just using like, you know, notepads and Excel sheets, or do you have property management software? How are you managing these rentals and what's the long-term plan for you? It, it's all Excel. I, I, I've looked into uh, all these, uh, these property management softwares. I think that some of these property management softwares, along with project management softwares in the construction industry, they just kind of slow down what you're supposed to be doing. Excel is so basic. It's just so simple. And as long as you keep tweaking your formulas and, and all the charts that you make on Excel, I think you're fine using Excel. You don't need anything else. And, and yeah. just try and automate everything. So I automate everything. I use Chase from all of our accounts. Everything's automatically paid to every company. Everything is, is automatic. Thomas, I'm wearing the perfect t-shirt today for this conversation. <laughs> I mentioned this one time in a podcast. I mentioned <laughs> I'm a lady in the streets, a freak in the spreadsheets, and I've had three <laughs> t-shirts sent to me that say this. So if anyone's watching, you can terrible. see. <laughs> oh my God. So a perfect t-shirt for this Excel spreadsheet oh talk. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, my, my shirt does not say anything yeah. even close to that. It's just a black plain shirt. So. He just says it on the back. He's just hiding yeah. it. <laughs> Oh, but, man, that's so, so but, but Thomas, that, that's super interesting, man, right? Because I, I have a property management company in place for my long-term rentals. And, right. you know, I know that they've got, I think we're using Appfolio. Like that's how I communicate with them and see like all of my spreadsheets and, and whatnot. But like, it, like, I don't know, it just feels like it, it might get cumbersome. I don't know. Actually, how are, are you using, what, what property management software are you using for your properties? Well, right now I'm just managing one and I'm using Buildium. And okay. when I was managing all of mine before, that's what I used. For me, it worked best just like them being able to pay online through there, the the maintenance request. But I've had, there's like so many more popping up. When I started actually researching software, I think the first time I started, it was maybe five years ago, four years ago. 
And like since then, like there's so many of like free companies that are offering the basic software now. And it's it's really like a growing product now, it seems like. Thomas, so so for the guests that maybe want to follow in, in, in your footsteps and, and not use some of the software and kind of do it themselves, I guess just walk us through how you set up all these different parts. Like, how are you taking in pay, uh, payments from your 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 tenants? How are you accepting yeah. maintenance requests? All of the, all of those parts. So once we purchased, so I've created. I'm just construction management background, right? So everything is paperwork heavy. So I've created templates for every little process. So I have a a template of a spreadsheet that tells me what I need to do in order to get me to the closing table. So I need to have all the insurance, everything ready to go. After the closing table, I have another spreadsheet and it just says five, six, seven things on there of what I need to do to set up the tenant if there is one in place. So we give an introductory letter to our tenants that are in place and tell them, hey, we're the new owners of the property. We are uh, looking to to keep the the maintenance up and and manage the property for you. If you have any questions, here's our email address. Here is our phone number. Payments moving forward are only done electronically. Here's our bank account number. This is where you're depositing it. You don't give me cash. You don't give me a check because if I get a check, I have to go an hour and 40 minutes to go get that check once a month. If I get cash, I don't like cash. (laughs) It's just, I want to, at the end of the day, automate this as much as possible so I can minimize the amount of time because for me, time is what's most important. So I'm trying to manage the time. Well, it seems like just with your construction company, you've been able to do that if you're able to say, I own a construction company and I have lots of free time. (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. Let's move on to our next segment here. So this is where we want to ask you about someone who has been very valuable to you, your most valuable player on your team and has really helped you grow and scale your real estate business. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. 
Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. So who is that MVP? (laughs) Hands down, big awards go up to uh, our real estate broker in upstate New York. He has been by far the best asset for us in, in our real estate journey. He's helped us find insurance people. He's helped us find attorneys. He's helped us find inspectors for the properties, handyman. Any questions that we have in the area, because he's in the area, he has always been helpful finding appliances. Anything we ask, we ask him first, and then we'll do our research. I, I want to ask, Thomas, so if, if I'm a new investor and I'm reaching out to this broker for the first time, what, is that, what does that dialogue look like? Like, how did you get this broker to take you seriously and, and show you around town and take you all these different properties? What do I say? I told him that we're uh, a general contractor in New York City. We're interested in buying some properties in the area. We have no idea what we're doing. And we're looking for someone to, to join our team and, and kind of guide us through the process. And, and he was if you're a good real estate broker or you're good in the position of what you do, I think that you should be open to educating whoever you're working with. So he was very open in, in showing us these properties and telling us, hey, this is selling for 200000 You can fix it up for X amount of dollars and make another $50,000 in equity or whatever the case is. You have to be mindful of who you're dealing with. So someone like me, if I see a beam falling down on one of the properties, it's okay. It's another construction project for me. You know what I mean? But someone who doesn't have that construction experience may walk away from that deal, which is totally fine. You don't, you may need a turnkey property in your case, but you have to go within your, your comfort level. So when a lot of people have told us that when they research, you know, a team out of state or long distance, they call 
you know, 10 to 20 people. Yeah. Do you think you just got lucky that, you know, the first person you pulled on Google? hundred uh, percent. What are some things that drew you into him that, you know, you said he educated you, but what would have been some things that turned you off where you would have went down to call the next person on the list? For us, we, we, we called the first person on the list. We had a phone conversation, just a quick, casual phone conversation. And he was just very welcoming. He was a type of person that was easy to talk to. We felt that we could have a conversation with him. We felt that he gave us just on that first conversation enough information that he would be an asset down the line. So you have to to have that first conversation because again, it's it's, it's about managing your time. So if, if you see that someone's not really, they don't send you any properties or they don't really care to have a conversation with you, or they're not interested in educating you, then that's not the right person for you. You need to find someone else. And it may take 10, 20, 30 brokers down the line, but I'm telling you, someone is out there for you to to help you guide you in that journey. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add on to that, Thomas, and you kind of mentioned it, is that don't be afraid to fire people that aren't working right. for you the right way, right? Yep. Like as I was as I was building my out-of-state investing team, I went through like four or five different realtors, right? And it took me a while to find that one that works. So for those of you that are new investors, I know sometimes you can feel almost indebted to that first person that helps you, but you know, it's a business for both of you and you got to find someone that works. So Thomas, I, I want to I wanna take us to the next segment here. This is our rookie request line. Uh, with your construction background, a lot of folks kind of want to dig into your, your site and understand how to make that work. So our question today, Good morning, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. My name is Richard Kelly. I'm actually in New Orleans, Louisiana. And my question is, what is best typically or what do you recommend in regards to construction? Is it better to go with a general contractor or is it better to use subcontractors for the entire project? Thanks so much. Hopefully you guys can answer for me. It depends on your time. If you have a nine to five and you can't manage the subcontractors, then I say give it to a general contractor. But it's, it's again, building those relationships and finding the right general contractor. You're not going to find, I mean, you may find it on the first shot, the, the best general contractor for you because every person is different. But if you have the time to manage these subcontractors, I do this every day in construction, then that's definitely a good option for you. Manage the subcontractors, you'll save money, but you need to understand that your time has to be invested for it to, to work properly. If you don't have the time, then I su- suggest you definitely give it out to a general contractor and you don't have to manage them as much because that's what you're paying them for. And for, for me, right, again, I, I built my first long-term rentals or I purchased them out of state. So I knew for me, one, I have I have a W-2 job and I'm buying something several states away. I knew it was going to be very difficult for me to effectively manage a bunch of a subcontractors. So I knew going in that I was going to have to pay a premium to have a general right. contractor kind of manage that whole process. So to your point, it's really about what, what your situation is and, and what works yeah. best for you. Yeah, every person is different. And for us, we just saw that obviously we have the construction business. We already manage people. We already manage subcontractors. It just made more sense for us to do that. But we've also considered even being a general contractor because it is almost two hours away, getting a general contractor out there. But the prices were just, it's what I would charge as a general contract. It just didn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. So uh, we want to ask you a few more questions, Thomas, to, to get to know you just a little bit better and for our guests to get to know you. I know what, I, what I've got, but actually you put me on the spot last time. So I'll let you go first this, this week. Well, the first thing is, is that a fire alarm going on? Yeah. Should, should we be concerned for you, Thomas? Yeah. I don't even hear it, honestly. You don't oh, hear it. You're just so used to the noise. I'm just used to the, the whole commotion going on. But yeah. 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 I think it's smoke or something across the street. Yeah. 
right. <laughs> horn beeped at one yeah. point. Like it didn't even phase you. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am in my, you know, my closet, you know, in the land, you know, nobody around me, no That's neighbors. So, <laughs> <You're nothing. laughs> so Thomas, what is your morning routine? Do you have anything special you do every day? Um, even, maybe even an evening routine? Is there something you do daily that you think has really helped you excel in your businesses? Yeah, I mean, I wake up at 5.30 pretty much every morning. I'm a morning person. I like to wake up. Mm -hmm. I used to go to the gym, but I have two kids. <laughs> I have a three-year-old. I have a four-month-old. So I don't really go to the gym anymore, but I still wake up at 5.30. I, I read very, like, maybe for an hour, hour half an hour or so. And then I, I like to get into my emails right away. I'd like to work out if I do have some time. But now with my son in school, kind of got to ring him to school in the morning. So yeah. it's a little tricky. <laughs> Just a, a follow up to that question. Yeah. What kind of books do you read? Are you reading business development, real estate, or are you reading romance novels? No. So, <laughs> what is it? So right now I'm reading the four hour work week. I've already read uh, Traction, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Win Friends, Influence People, Think and Grow Rich, Make Your Bed, and don't laugh at this one, but the subtle uh, the art of tidying up or something. I forgot what it's oh, called. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <here. laughs> awesome. Awesome. All awesome books. I've read most of those, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Like the the art of tidying up. I think that's Marie Kondo. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They I, have Netflix I, too. Yeah, I saw the Netflix show, and like all of like if you open my drawer for all of my t shirts, they're all folded in that like little crazy way that she folds everything. My my fiance thinks I'm a psychopath. She was like, no one folds their shirts that way. <laughs> so Thomas, my, my question for you, brother, is you know your you, you your father built this business, right? right? But you decided to go a different route and kind of build your own business. Just right. what, what was the thought process behind that? Like walk us through, like why not in here? the family business what, what made you kind yeah. of take your own path there so i at first again i, I didn't want to go to college i just, I just felt it wasn't for me I, I liked business i liked growing a business i liked working with my hands and, and my mother was always the type of person to be like learn a trade that you work with your hands and you always have that to fall back on it and my father was always the type of person where he would push me and be like no you need an office job you need somewhere where you're you're safe you're indoors you're, you're making more money you you don't want to do this so, so I, they said the opposite of yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so I, I went to school for architecture because like, I, I saw that as a better opportunity. I saw it towards what my father was saying, but I didn't really want to be locked in an office and, and work on a computer all day. I, I wanted to, I enjoy the construction process. I enjoy the real estate process. It's just, I like being hands-on and, and I wear, I wear a hoodie and a t-shirt to, to work. I'm not the, the type of contract that it goes with a button down and dress shoes on because I like to get my hands dirty. I like to work. I like to be the person that is running a job and, and pushes a job. And I'm not the, the type of person to wear a suit. It's just not who I am. Yeah. Well, you got to know yourself, right? And, and yeah. you got to find the path that works best right. for you, man. It's all right. right. So Thomas, man, it's been like an absolute pleasure. I feel like you've dropped so much knowledge for, for the guests, for myself. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? Instagram, Tom, T-O-M-R-I-D-I-S. I, I did everyone a favor. I didn't put Thomas to duty at least because no one can say <laughs> So follow me on Instagram. Ask me any questions. I, I want to help. Like I'm not, I, I only have three properties, but anything I can do to help anyone, I'm, I'm there. Just slide into my DM. 
Well, thank you so much. We really appreciated having you on. This has been really great. And just that, you know, talking about your partnership, how you're automating systems, your property management and your rentals. That's so awesome. So yeah, thank, thank you, you very much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys have been fun. Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. I am Ashley Kerr at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony Robinson at Tony J. Robinson. So make sure you guys join our Facebook group, uh, search Real Estate Rookie on Facebook, and then you can find out some more about Thomas and some of the things he mentioned at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 39. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thanks, guys. (laughs) See you, brother. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.